Good morning. Thank you, everybody, for your attention today. Um, I thought I was preparing to cover when Horace and I next week are going to, uh, or this upcoming week, Thursday, Friday, we'll come back Saturday night, are going to Ohio to a conference um, at Michael Foster's church on church planning. Garrett Craw, Michael Foster, they have a number of other speakers there. I can't remember if Brian Salve is doing music or not. I don't remember. I, I saw what they were doing. I thought it could be helpful for us. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to go do that together. And uh, so we ask for your prayers, but uh, I thought I was covering Sunday school for that. So um, I appreciate Ben being flexible to roll to next week. We're going to finish um, Psalm 19. So when we pick up the next time and Around December, um, we'll uh, be picking up actually with Psalm 23, as uh, Horace did Psalm 21 and 22 for us uh, this last, uh, or 20 and 21 rather, yeah, so we'll pick up with 22. Uh, and basically, if you haven't, if you haven't uh, picked up on it, kind of what the plan with you know, with tr- people traveling and things like that in the summer or around the holidays, um, we'll, we'll, we won't be working on series in those times. We'll be studying the Psalms and being edified in God's Word in that. Uh, with that, I want to let you know that starting the, uh, um, I believe it's Sunday the 8th. Is that a Sunday? The, the second Sunday in September. Um, we will be... Um, beginning a new series uh, called The Autumn of Life, God's Providence in Aging, Suffering, Death, and Grief. Um, you might ask yourself, I'll be talking about this again uh, after, um, uh, you know, before we do our church service, but, you know, we, I, I think an often neglected part of life in church and in discussions and in and uh, looking at God's word, is looking about looking towards what our calling is in aging. Um, uh, we, we know that death is as sure as taxes, um, and so no. In, in all seriousness, though, people you know will die. You will die. People will get sick. People will suffer. Um, every everyone. Uh, suffers at, at times for grief. We'll, we'll even have some discussions on biblical ethics in um, sickness and death. And, and we'll take a look at, so this is going to take us all fall to go through. Uh, we obviously have older folks in our congregation. We have sick folks in our congregation. Um, I want to ask you to uh, be, just be praying for our older folks, but you know, as 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 you're aware, sometimes God brings death to the young. Um, you know, the Greens lost a son early. I lost a brother um, at 39. You know, God God in His providence does a lot of things that we can't understand or gra- grasp. Um, but we do know this: um, He is doing it for His purposes. Um, he is glorified. He's always glorified before it, during it, and after. And so 
Um, this will be the task that we will set before us uh, this fall. I think it's really important. Uh, young people, you might not think that it's too important for you, but you too will soon be grasping these things as your parents age um, or as uh, unexpected situations come up in your life. So I want to encourage you to come out. I want you to encourage others in the church as well. Um, a couple of other just quick items. You know, I try to update you on different things that we're doing with the Roving Pastors Prayer Group. I know that doesn't sound glorifying in terms of this great winsome name, uh, but uh, I don't know how else to best describe it. Uh, this past week, um, we were at a apartment complex that sits on both sides of Spa Road that is uh, predominantly uh, Hispanic. Um, there's, there's on both sides there, and so um, Pastor uh, Nelson Limos, he was leading up the group, and he, he's the pastor of, uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain, is the largest Hispanic church in the Annapolis area. I mean, I don't know anybody that's close. Um, and their, their church is over there off Cedar Park Road. Um, and um, we prayed um, for those communities. We prayed for the families, the Christian families that lived in there already. Um, he has folks that live, several families, I think three, that live on one side of the road. And they have some small groups in the community. And they don't have anybody on the other side of Spa Road. So we were praying for that. Uh, one of the unique challenges for... Um, Hispanic church that you probably wouldn't think of right off, but uh, they're kind of getting into third generation over there. Um, they're they're transitioning in leadership from the founding pastors into uh, new elders and new pastors. Pastor Lemus is part of the, the the younger crowd, so he's probably about thirty eight. Um, but they're actually starting um, services in English because so many of the second and third generations speak less and less Spanish. So they're trying to think, how do we continue to minister there? Um, so there are, there are um, boundaries and limitations um, in, in every church. So be praying for them. Actually, actually Pastor Limos is, is uh, on our prayer list today. That, that, we didn't plan it that way. It just happened to, to be who was on the list. And I didn't even realize it until yesterday. You can also be praying for Pastor Lemus. He's uh, currently, he left Thursday afternoon, uh, or Thursday morning rather, to go to Mexico City. Um, he's down in Mexico um, helping a church celebrate their 30th and 38th anniversary, and they're doing a, a conference, a family conference. And so he's down there preaching and teaching uh, there. So um, it's good to see and know folks in our greater community that are proclaiming the gospel and teaching things, uh, not just in our own community, but elsewhere. And then uh, yesterday afternoon, you've heard me mention it, uh, we, we've been talking for some time about Robinwood Day, one of the housing projects in our community, and a group of us went out there yesterday, um, and it, it was a pretty good time. And, and I'm going to say this, you guys get tired of just me talking about it, so I'm going to invite one of the folks that came out with us. Horace, come on down and tell us a little bit about yesterday, or speak okay. loud. Yeah, we, uh, we're in uh, the Robinwood Project community. And, uh, we're in the Robinwood Project community in uh, 
set up with uh, application and popcorn. There are a couple other churches there, also part of the roving pastors prayer group, and then the housing community was there. There's a couple other tables there. Um, and yeah, we got we got to meet a couple people from Dan's former life in Maryland, which was fun. Um, we met some people in that community and we had a lot of time and popcorn and got to know a couple people. And then we also think more significantly got to meet a bunch of or churches that have been putting more time into learning about this community, what they want, what they need, who people are, and learn about kind of what they're starting to do here, where they need help, and where there's other opportunities to start um, actually doing some things here. So I feel like this really planted some seeds potentially for the future of our community. What about the personal connection with Oh yeah, I mean we uh, we met um, the, the couple pastor and his wife who uh, found Javier on their doorstep in the school. Um, we knew they were over there, but I hadn't, hadn't met them in person. Um, so that was that was a full connection. Yeah, there was one young man who probably sat at our table for probably two hours. Um, while we were out there, Delmas, he's a he's a young man who uh, was one of my most faithful attendees to things we were doing uh, in the communities years ago when I was here before, and uh, you know he's an interesting fellow. But it was fun to have him um, hang out. Perhaps he'll come and visit with us um, sometime. So I want to ask you: keep praying, um, you know. And there were other things. There were bouncy houses and. They, some, somebody arranged for this uh, basically video gaming uh, trailer, like a semi-trailer size, you know, full of video games and kids have fun. And there were activities inside the rec center, which was a nice air-conditioned respite from the heat at times yesterday. Uh, but, but it was an opportunity to get to know people and get to know other churches. And I got to tell you that the, one of the reoccurring themes is these neighborhoods are flabbergasted because churches are working together in the community, not every church for himself. And, and that's having, I believe, a, a, a true uh, impact. Um, so here this morning, um, let us pray and we'll uh, finish up Psalm 19. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your great mercies. We thank you for the faithfulness of your word and all of the care um, that you've uh, provided for us in it. Lord, open up our hearts and minds, Lord, that we may be refreshed and draw strength from the promises of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, if you will, I'm going to just quickly here um, point out the th again to you the three parts of Psalm 19. If you have your Bibles, turn there. And I would ask you to, uh, um, you know, after I've mentioned these themes, these three themes, we'll again get someone to read one of each of the sections, and then we'll get busy into completing uh, this psalm. So there are three parts. Part one is God's revelation through His material. Uh, works that's all of creation so that's verses one through six when we get ready to read who wants to do one through six okay marco 
Then uh, the second section is the more glorious revelation of himself in his law, verses 7 through 10. I volunteer for 7 through 10. Okay, Tim. And then um, we have the last section is the, the bearing of the truths of both God's natural revelation, his creation, and the revelation of himself and his law, how those truths um, have impact and interest in all of those, not just David the writer, but all of those who are partakers in the faith. And so that is verses 11 through 14. Who would like to do? Uh, how about all the way in the back, Carlos? All right, so uh, verses 1 through 6. Um, okay, very good. Second section, seven, that's Tim. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The presence of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the mind. The fear of the Lord is pure. Verses 11 to the end, Carlos. So, um, I hope you were thinking about those themes as you listened or were reading that passage together. Um, we ended, the last time I talked, uh, which, which was the 13th, uh, with verse 9. And so, uh, we, like we went through verse 9, and so that section actually has one more verse. So, I'm just going to read verse 9 and 10, and we'll kind of talk about those together and then transition to the end. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true and righteous all together. And so uh, here we see that, that you know, Yahweh is clean. His, his, you know, this fear of Yahweh is clean. It's not a fear that is simply about dread 
you know, the, a, a lot of religions, the gods are capricious. People are sort of secondary, right? Where the, the, it's like the gods are doing their thing for their own interest. And people are just, I don't know, they kind of just exist. And, and are like a sub, uh, uh, you know, the, the slaves and, and they're to be crushed or lifted up just in any particular fashion. But the fear that we should have for our God um, is clean and it endures forever. It, it's actually God's perpetual obligation to us to deal with us justly, right? For his kindness, for his love and his care. It's, it's, it's his promise to his people. Yes, sir. Um, I, I think that, that he's saying clean being um, that it is not corrupt. It's not, it's not been corrupted. It is not, it, it's inflexible. It doesn't get dirty here. And then it goes to righteousness over here. It is just a continual um, righteous way. Um, you, know, one of the, you know, there's these huge themes, as you know, in, in the Old Testament on cleanliness, right? And, and the call to cleanliness was really tied to repentance of sins and being right with God so he could come into his presence. And so his standard is the same. It, that's why I think that second phrase there, enduring forever, is you don't have to wonder if the rules have changed this week, right? Or this time of year, the rules are different, Right? Our God is, is the same. So, so you're likening it to ritual purity and impurity? That... Right. I, I think a consistent standard, I mean. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see how you're drawing a line from cleanliness to consistency. Uh, I, I thought when you started answering the question, you were headed for likening it to the ritual purity and impurity, which that that makes sense to me because I think that's the only use of clean in the Old Testament. I, I don't think they ever really are talking about like tidying up. No, no, no. Yeah. Right. What I mean is though, but his his standards right, are are consistent. Like his, his the, the what is clean doesn't vary. Right? Because the it, it's... My, my house gets clean every week and it changes very quickly. So I don't, I don't understand okay. the connection. But, but we're talking... Well, well here, here's what. So, so, but, but remember what we're focused on. What, what is the, what, what's the noun there is the, actually the word fear, right? Isn't, isn't clean modifying fear? Right? So, what, why do we fear God? He's holy. He's just. He's righteousness. Right? And so, when we're just thinking about what that cleanliness means is, that, that it is his standards are the same. Our fear is not like the fear of, like at, at every turn in, in, in paganism, it's, it's a, I don't know, this didn't work, let's do something else. When, when we did the mission trips in Peru, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's funny, you can go all over the world and you see this consistency of uh, building pyramid-like um, buildings, right, or, or temples. And, and really, the idea is, it's men building their own mountains to, to reach, to be equal with God or to reach God. And in Peru, what would happen is, I've been to some of these sites, 
you know, there would be some big disaster, a flood, a drought, whatever. And what they would do is they would kill all the priests, bury them in the temple, and then build another layer. We don't have it right, right? Um, and so what we've been doing hasn't been working, right? The problem is we're not, we're not appealing, so, so we're going to change everything. And they rebuild it. And so the, the, the archaeological site that, that I've been to several times is, you know, it's almost as tall as some of the actual mountains there in the area, right? Especially when you excavate it down, down, down to its base, you know, it's, it's huge. And, and, and so our God is not that way. Our fear of him is based off of a consistent, unchanging um, uh, standard of which when we confess our sins, when we follow what he says, and we have faith in his forgiveness towards us, we, we then have that, um, we don't have to be in fear, but we can be in trust of him and his faithfulness to us. Is that, isn't, that old, isn't that old definition of fear a little different than we have today? This is a, I mean, this is a King James. This book back, <laughs> I mean, that's what fear, the fear of the Lord is clean. You know, and, and fear, when, it, then, when they wrote this, what it means today, yeah. You know, it, it, it's, I think it's, it's more righteousness, like, or, or uh, awe, or if we fear the Lord, you know, thou shalt have the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. It's it's that kind of, you know, it, it, it was imbued in a little kid when we went to school. I, I and think, they didn't steal somebody's apples on the way home because the fear of the Lord was on them. Well, I think it is a little bit the kind of fear that we talk about now. Jesus, when he uses fear, he says, don't fear man who can only kill you. I say fear God who can kill you and then throw you into hell. Like, that's a real fear. Like well, that's a knee knocking fear. But did you think of that as a little kid? Yeah. I, yes. I, so, so I, I, th- I, I, I think too. Listen, a a Christian fear is recognizing, to your point and yours, but but that you are completely undone. Before God, everything that you have, all your works are as filthy rags. As, as Isaiah said, you know, he, he, he's coming before God. God brings him into his presence. So God has brought him there and he just recognizes he has no standing. He has no, no, no way of his own ability to be cleansed of his sins. Right. And so that kind of fear, that, that, that knowing that you're undone. So to, to keep moving here. We, we see uh, in verse 10, it says that, uh, so it talks about the judgments of Yahweh are true and righteous altogether. And, and so then it says, more to be desired are they than gold, excuse me, yea, than much fine gold. So um, the judgments of God are true and righteous. And we should be desiring them more than money. Not just any kind of money. But, but gold that has been refined and brought, it's, it's at its purest level. You, you can't make it any more valuable. You know, it's fascinating um, how, how the world operates. Even yet today, here we are so many thousands of years later, and gold is still a monetary commodity. Um, I don't know what that says to our... Um, you know, our electronic money that we, we're putting out there. But, 
But the point is, you know, the electronic money can't be refined. It can't be made any more pure. It's only valuable because we've all agreed it's valuable as those numbers are pushed through through computers. Um, but 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 what he's saying is that whatever you think is the most valuable thing in the world, God's judgments are 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 to be his truths are to be what we desire more than anything else. So, so, so we want we want we want to make sure that we're that we're desiring the right things, which is which is God's word. Well, I don't know that it's just judgment. What's the purpose? Why does God refine His people? It's to bring the sin out, yes. right? It's to take the dross out, the things that, that don't please Him. So, so we want God to refine us. Um, well. We should desire that God refine us. Our sinful nature battles against that. But it goes on even beyond that to say, sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. And this is really interesting because that word sweeter there really could be better translated as sweetest. The sweetest thing that you could possibly think of. So, the, so you think about a kid. If you say, do you want green beans or do you want this lollipop? Right? What are they likely to say? What flavor is it? What flavor is it? <laughs> They haven't grasped that part yet. If you ask a, a, a two-year-old, right, they're likely to just, I want that lollipop. Well, that same desire for what you know is good, God's word is in that very way. It's the very best um, for us. We go to verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So um, we we see that that... God's admonition and, and warning of great danger is so helpful to us. Um, I think there's a, you know, we can see this um, in the passage in Ezekiel uh, chapter 33 verses 4 through 6 where, where God says, hey, if you heed the warning, you'll be, you won't be responsible. But if you, if you ignore the warning or if as a leader... You don't give the warning when you ought, then, then you are responsible for um, the judgment that comes. And in keeping them, there is great reward. It's uh, that this word reward here means like gratuity bestowed. In other words, God gives us a free gift without any kind of compensation. He gives us this gift. He says, here's my truth. And if, if you desire it and, and, and you go after it as, as you're likely as a child to go after something sweet or you go after money, uh, those things that you think that, you're, that you are, are about the pleasures of the world, they are better than those things. And this is a free gift that God um, gives us. And he's not looking 
Uh, like he, he didn't give it to you because you brought him something in exchange for it. No, he offered his truth through his natural revelation and his specific revelation of his word. And it's interesting how it, how it shifts here. And it goes, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. And this is really important that we understand that there is inadvertent sin. That's as the scriptures call it, the trespass, right? Versus those things <coughs> that are um, willful, intentional uh, sins. Whose errors? What's that? Whose errors? I, uh, so the question is, who can understand his errors? I think that's that's a recognition that we have limitations of understanding our own hearts. Um, since it's just been talking about the perfection of the Lord and his law, I, it, wouldn't it, the most natural reading, being a, a statement that is purposefully ridiculous to say, who could find fault in the Lord? Um, well, I'm, I might need to dig into this, but our translators have this his is not lowercase. as lowercase belonging to us as opposed to belonging to him. Uh, we, we haven't had a single other individual talked about other than the Lord in the entire psalm, so that would be a bit of a hard right turn to suddenly introduce. It, it, except for the second half of that sentence, cleanse me from my secret faults. Yeah, that comes after it. It's just, it's, it'd be an interesting way to introduce. The sentence before it states, by then your servant is warned. And so his would point back oh, okay. to servant. Good, good point. Good point. Essential smiling. Yeah. So, so, but, but, but for listen, for, for the distinctive, for the distinctive of understanding the difference between a high-handed, willful sin and inadvertent sins, you'll see that God still says you have to address those. You can look at Leviticus four, verse two, and then also in verse twenty-seven. And so, here's the thing: we cannot. Uh, fully guard ourselves, right? I, I mean, and I, I'm just going to peg this quickly into the child rearing because, you know, I'm, I'm preaching on that today, right? Kids will sometimes sin out of ignorance. We do too, right? But that still makes it a sin, right? Um, before you ever tell that child, don't hit your brother, Right? If you've not said that to them yet, the first time they do that, it, it's, it's a sin of ignorance, right? But you still have to teach them, admonish them, and discipline them, right? It has to become a standard, and they have to pray and ask for repentance, even if it's in an inadvertent sin, right? And this is important for us to recognize that sometimes we find in ourselves, too, where where. We sin against somebody. We didn't know it. We didn't intend it, but it happened. They tell us about it, or someone else, excuse me, points it out, right? And when that happens, um, we need to respond to it with repentance to God and repentance to those that we've sinned against. Yes, ma'am? There's, there's different kinds of sin. There's sin on ignorance. There's sin on willful rebellion. And there's other kinds, too, like And, and he, he mentioned specifically secret faults, and those are the ones that, that you know, maybe we've been walking with God for a while. Uh, I mean, all right, let me ask you a question. How many guys have participated to some degree 
with or, or have recently read through How to Be Free from Bitterness. All right, how many of you guys would be willing to say it exposed something in your heart? I'm putting up two hands, right? I mean, it's important for us to recognize sometimes we've lived in a way so long we don't even recognize that that's, that's a sin. It's, it's kind of become a secret to ourselves even, and we need God to reveal it. Because then in verse 13, he goes from these inadvertent secret sins that are sometimes even from ourselves, hidden. It says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. So he goes from the one side of inadvertent sins to those willful sins. Keep me back. Prevent me, O Lord. Get in my way, God, so that I don't, I don't willfully sin against you. Okay? That's an interesting prayer. Do we fight our sin in such a way? Do we say, God, show me my heart, show me my secret faults so I can confess them? And then keep me from big ones. He says, let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. You know, it's interesting. Um, who brings the deliverance of sin? God does, right? He brings deliverance. He, he's also the one that brings you, the, by his spirit and the work of Jesus Christ, the ability to mortify our sins, to, to confront them. Um, and so what, what does this mean? If we're going to be innocent of these things, we need to repent. We need to confess. We need to turn. And we really need to be asking ourselves throughout our day, throughout our week, Lord, you know, have you, have you, have you taken time at the end of your day? Lord, if I've sinned against anyone, right, reveal it to me that I may make it right, that I may confess before you, and that I may look to restore those relationships. Sin also is progressive. It is, both, both, both in mortifying your sin and also letting it grow. Finally, he comes to verse 14, and this is interesting. So then he's, he's, he's saying, okay, um, I'm asking for your help, God. I'm, I'm, I'm completely undone. I, I need to, to pursue you and your judgments and your words so that I can see and repent. And then he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Yahweh, my strength and my redeemer. And this, this really kind of makes us say, okay, um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. So this is really Romans 12.1. Somebody read Romans 12.1 for us. Anybody have it memorized? All right, somebody read it out. You got it, Jana? So, so uh, Romans 12, 1 is, is, you can say, almost pulled right out of this, right? I need my mind renewed. I need to transform. I need God's word to, to retrain and, and give me a new way of looking at myself and at others. And, and in all of this, you know, it's God's covenant name, Yahweh there, who is what? Our strength. Right? So he's the one that, that enables us, and he's our redeemer, our only way of salvation. Um, you know, when he, when he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, there, there is an anticipation of the happy effects of the prior prayer. It's sort of like saying, holy equals happy. 
I mean, have you ever resisted God in your sin? How happy were you? What usually happens in your relationships with others when you are, when you are staying in willful sin? When you're resisting it? Are you kind to your wife, men? Wives, are you respectful to your husbands? When you won't confess and deal with your sins? Young people, towards your parents? Right? So, so understand that, that the reality is God's call to holiness isn't a suppression of happiness, but it is truly um, what happiness is. And it is, it is important also for us to recognize that, you know, what we say and what we think, um, we're actually doing all of this in his presence. You know, if you've walked with God for a while, you recognize sometimes in order to get into sin, you have to deny God's presence is with you. You have to live a lie, right? And so um, I pray that we all um, don't live in that way, but acknowledge God's presence, his kingship over the world, and that he is our only redemption and savior. Yes, sir. Sure. So the first section was God's revelation in his material works, one through six. Are you writing these down or just wanting me to say? Okay. And then second, the more glorious revelation of himself in his law, verses seven through 10. And then verses 11 through 14, um, the bearing of those truth upon the character and interest of all the people who have faith in God. And so... Um, you know, God's been clear. You know, we can see all that in Romans 1, right? Through natural law, he gave us his revealed law. And what was the point of all that? For us to recognize that we're undone, right? But we can go to him, confess the sins that we didn't know we were committing, the ones that we did know we were committing. um, And um, we can go to him and ask him for help, for a new mind, a new way to think, a new way to understand, a new way to speak so that we um, are, are both our, uh, our God, our covenant faithful God to us, who's our strength and redeemer. All right, we're out of time. And so next week, our brother Ben will teach. Um, let us pray here this morning. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you, O Lord, for your faithfulness and your word. We thank you that you are our covenant God. And Lord, we ask that you would please prepare our hearts for the the renewal of your covenant with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.